0: Hey everybody, welcome to Movie Mavens. This is actually the intro to the intro. I am here to say that my microphone failed during the recording of this episode, and so what was picked up was from my headphones, and so it's not the best quality. However, it's a good episode, so we didn't want to scrap it, but um, yeah, it's... uh, if you're if you if you you know you're gonna to listen to it and be like wow why does it sound like that? That's why. So anyway, here she goes. Hey everybody, welcome to Movie Mavens. A podcast where we watch and review two movies that are related in some way. We call it a spicy double feature.
1: The films could be related through director, actor, plot, setting, or even title. I'm one of your hosts, Annie Janes.
0: And I'm Carson Green. And this week's Spicy Double Feature, I don't know if you guys noticed, but this is episode 69. And so we're watching Eyes Wide Shut and Call Me By Your Name.
1: Both of these films are related to sex, the one and only. Mm -hmm. We actually did another Twitter poll. You guys, we've actually been reaching out to Twitter quite a lot for some suggestions. Mm Mm-hmm. And if you want to get in on that, you can follow us at Movie Maven's Pod.: That's it. Uh, so check that out if you want to suggest what, we're, what our double features are.
0: Annie, before we jump into the double feature, which is very <laughs> spicy? I want to know what have you been watching?
1: I have been dying to tell you about this. Oh, my God. But I haven't because I thought, let me tell you live. Okay. Let's do it live. I took my parents to see everything, everywhere (gasps) else.
0: Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Okay. Okay. Okay.
1: (laughs) And before, I was like, you know, I talked to you about it for a while. Then I talked to Gus, my husband, about it for a while. Uh Uh-huh no clear answer formed. So I said, you know what? I'm going to call my mom and see what she has to say. And I just talked to her very frankly, like, I want you to see this, but I'm afraid that you'll see it and dislike it. And if you dislike it, it may devastate me because it means like so much to me basically. And she's like, well, that's a lot of pressure, (laughs) which fair, that is a lot of pressure, but, um, it's funny because the movie is just such a metaphor for that in and of itself. Like me showing my mom and dad, this movie is like joy showing her mom the bagel, you
0: know? Yeah. And which is what you said last week. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I prefaced it. I warned her. I was like, listen, there's butt plugs
0: (laughs) and
1: (laughs) it's weird. But if you know that going in, like, I don't want to know things like that going in because it's just fun, but and I'm like, you need to open your mind up and yeah. just take, like, let it take over you sort of thing. And, and I'm like, y'all do not do that very well. So I'm telling you to do it. And she's like, okay, well, I, she's like, well, I'm at this point I'm intrigued. So I want to see it based on yes. everything I told her. She was very intrigued. And I didn't even tell her Jamie Lee Curtis was in it till the end of the conversation, if that tells you anything. Like, that could have been my number one pull for her. Yeah, true. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so we go see it, 12 p.m. showing. Uh Uh Smallest theater in the theater. But it was very packed, uh, which was surprising and great.
0: That's exciting.
1: And... All the trailers leading up were, like, horror films. It was a Nope trailer, a Northman trailer, Men
0: trailer. Uh
1: Uh-huh. There there was, like, a Red Band trailer thrown in there. And I'm like, Uh honestly, that helped. Because my mom is, like, getting vibes from all these trailers. Like, spooky, dark. Uh And she's probably like, oh, God, I don't, like, what is this? Movie starts and it's the opposite. It's, like, bright and whimsical.
0: Goofy.
1: So, so honestly, that helped. Uh Uh-huh and she was laughing a lot at all the appropriate times to laugh okay and she would turn turn to me to comment on things or she would like relate a lot to Michelle Yeoh and turn to me and like say the same thing back you know <gasps> and i couldn't really hear my dad cuz he's sitting on the other side of her but he apparently at the end i was like well i hope you guys laughed at least and he was like oh i was laughing so they liked it. This is dream scenario for you. This is a dream scenario.
0: Oh my God, Annie. Okay, and what did, you, what did you think on second watch?
1: Excuse me. Second watch, first of all, we were incorrect about the third part. It happens like so late. It hap- The only thing that happens in the all at once part is they go to the tax office and everything's okay. So... All that stuff between her and Joy was in part two.
0: Yeah, but.
1: You're like, I would have moved it.
0: (laughs) No, I think it was just labeled all at once, but it felt like all at once.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Um, Second time, I still got emotional. See, I didn't cry again, but it was like to the point where I'm like, if I let myself. Mm -hmm. I could have, like, sobbed, but Mm -hmm. I was like, I'll hold it in. And, two, it's hard in a theater. If I was, like, alone at home, I probably would have been just sobbing. The parts that got me this time were just when she hugs Joy. That part is so Mm -hmm. beautiful, and it's led up to with this montage of, like, the rocks falling and the planets colliding and just Rakakuni's flying in the air. Like, everything's crazy. I don't know that he is at that moment, but that part made me emotional. Oh, okay. One thing I'll say too about my parents is I was worried about the sci-fi elements going over their head because it's very, very fast. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you don't watch a lot of sci-fi, which my mom never does, it's like, these are really new concepts to her, like the multiverse in general. And, but at the end, I didn't even prompt her. She was like, the way they explained it was so well done. Like, everything they said is all I needed to know. Wow. I, and, and that's I, what
0: that's what we said.
1: Yeah. and But I was watching it in a new light of, like, someone that really has less understanding of, like, the cinematic language. And watching it, I'm like, okay, they actually explain the sci-fi elements, like, f- three or four different times. And the last time they explain it, is, like, the most clear, obvious time is when real Joy and real Waymond are watching her fight leading Mm -hmm. up to the dildo fight. Mm -hmm. And she's... And um, Evelyn is doing all these crazy things, for instance, drinking, like, an entire bottle of orange soda. And they are... Joy and Waymond are audibly saying, what is she doing? She's doing all these weird things. I think it makes her fight better. You know, they're, like, giving expository dialogue. Uh So if you don't get it through all the little... Quick shots of the technology that they show, they they say it really simplified, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. The movie's still great. I think about it all the time. When I think about the parts that make me emotional,
0: I just want to see it again. Dude, I have not stopped thinking about it, <laughs> and that's honest. Yeah. Um, any you know what we didn't say last week? I was listening to the podcast today, mm-hmm. and we didn't say last week. We didn't talk about... The <laughs> the cream cheese scene. <laughs> How there's the no sec- cows? The second bagel scene, if you will. Yeah. I just... Did you notice on the second watch, like, all of the dark circle imagery? Like, I- the symbolism? Um, like, yes. for instance... Yes, so,
1: the, the receipt is, a, is one of the biggest ones that she uh-huh. circles. And... Yep on their foreheads it's on their foreheads it's in the office every mirror is a circle Uh in the beginning there's like three mirrors they're all circle mirrors um Uh, what else
0: then there's like that that uh black like um statue in the office that that has the uh the sex dungeon
1: by i mean to be honest in my first watch i got it by the time she circled the receipt Oh, yeah. And I don't know why. I was like, okay, well, I don't think I even knew about the bagel. I think I was like, well, there's the thing. And then it's on Joy's head in the white verse.
0: Yeah. But you know what? We get it. And I, I think I noticed this on the second watch. Um, the very first time we see Joy, the very first time, she is staring into a dryer. Oh, yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. I got that the second time. Yeah. And we see we see just like a reflection of her. But we see obviously like a circle and everything's tumbling and she's just like glossed over. I honestly
1: don't know if I got like a ton more in terms of like Easter eggs the second time. Except there are a few moments like that. I think there was a line, too. Because, and not because it's like doesn't deserve a second viewing, just because it's like really good at directing your attention. Yeah. And telegraphing what's important, what's not.
0: I'm going to watch it again. I sincerely have not stopped thinking about it.
1: I can't wait for it to come out on physical media.
0: Yeah. I haven't
1: felt that way in a long time.
0: It's going to be like one of the, it's going to be like a comfort viewing, I think. Like I'm going to, I'm going to just put it on Mm -hmm. like while I'm cleaning my house or (laughs) while friends are over, I'll just put it on and, you know, yeah. Well, I love that movie. That's what I've been watching.
1: I know we had a whole podcast about it, but, uh, you know what? We need a little more.
0: Okay. I sincerely, I'm going to bring it up every time, <laughs> every, every time, every time I like, have a, if I watch it again or, you know, whatever.
1: Yeah. Well, what have you been watching?
0: Uh, so I had kind of a busy week last week, so I, but I did watch the new Scream movie, which it, it's like a, um, uh a sequel remake I've never really seen a movie like this like so it's Scream 5 it's called Scream 5 but you know Scream came out 20 years ago 25 years ago mm-hmm. so what they did in Scream 5 was like they did a lot of the same things in the f- that they did in the first movie but they referenced that movie, like, they called it Stab. Oh, like,
1: the movie exists in that universe.
0: Yes. Yeah. The, okay. the, the movie exists, but then there's, like, there's characters from the original movie, like, David Arquette is in it, and uh, Shannon Doherty's in it, and... What's her name? Monica from Drew Friends. Barrymore. No, she died. <laughs> uh, Monica in from movie. Friends. What's her name? I don't. <laughs> you think I watch Friends? No, I don't watch Friends either. Um. Anyway, so all of these like OG characters are in the movie, and they're like you know sort of reliving the whole thing, and um, it's a. Uh, Something unique. Spoiler alert! Something unique that um, we didn't see in the first scream is that one of the killers is a woman. I was like, D- "Okay, sis," yes. <laughs> which you just—I mean, you, you you hardly ever see like in a in a slasher movie, you know? Mm-mm. Um, because it's impossible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it was, I, 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 it was unique. It was a unique, um, kind of setup how they, how they were dealing with, you know, all the time that had gone by and the sequel remake aspect of it. It was, it, it was, um, I mean, I think like Scream is not my favorite slasher movie. It's not that great. This movie is also not that great.
1: Okay, like even putting the uniqueness aside, it's just okay.
0: Yeah, it's just okay. Yeah, I've only
1: seen the first scream, and it's been a long time, but I was listening to a lot of scream, the five or whatever reviews because it came out and nothing else was coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, and turns out like there's a lot of there's not a lot, but there's probably like two or three screams in the franchise that people really like. And yeah. now I'm thinking I need to go watch them, but you're telling me otherwise.
0: Well, right <laughs> well, okay. I mean, you of all people know that I <laughs> am not a sequel person. I, oh. I don't really, I don't really fuck with a franchise. I'm not one really and done. Yeah, I'm a one and done with type you. gal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, like, you know, for that reason, it's like. I think a couple of the sequels feel like they were just really trying to ride on the success of the first one, which is what many Mm. studios were doing whenever they were cranking out all these sequels, like, you know, 20, 25 years ago, whatever. It's older than that. It's like early 90s, isn't it?
1: I have no frame of reference.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's real. They're, they're old, it's not required viewing for me. It's not okay. It's a in terms of. Yeah, I'm not gonna term- watch them. I'm not gonna watch them. Don't.
1: You told me you just gave me a great list a few weeks ago. What horror films I need to see? So, yeah, those are up first.
0: Yeah. Uh. Okay. So I watched that. I think it, it's streaming on Paramount Plus. Um. You if have that? Uh, apparently. Why? Oh, I have somebody's password. Um, oh. Okay. Like. I, but it, I don't remember, and I'm like just logged in on my TV randomly. Girl, I have no idea. Just don't I'll touch know. it.
1: Don't touch uh-uh.
0: it. I'm not. I'm not saying shit. Do I do want to tell you that a movie that I am going to watch in a couple of days? So Quentin Tarantino has a theater here, um, and he just bought. Another theater that's really close to me, actually, it's in with, within walking distance, and he's like renovating that theater, and so I'm going to be able to go <laughs> and see his programming there.
1: I'm just picturing Quentin Tarantino with like a hammer,
0: like renovating <laughs> it himself for some reason. <laughs> I, I really okay. So there's a, I mean, there's several like indie theaters here that I really like their their programming. And I'm not, like, super in love with the programming at the New Beverly. A lot of people, like, really like it, I think, because he sort of... He caters to, like, a film bro audience. Can you tell me, like,
1: one or two of the films that he would show?
0: Um, Okay, so they're doing a double feature that I'm going to see on Wednesday. I'm going to see the first one. I'm going to go see Speed. Oh, okay. The Sandra Bullock and... Keanu Reeves. That's the same. Kiana Reeves. Okay. The one of the biggest reasons I want to see this, and then I don't remember the second movie. It's some movie from like two thousand fourteen. It has something to do with a, a bus. I don't know. But one of the hu- <laughs> one of the biggest reasons why I want to see Speed, and you know this, I absolutely love an L A movie. I love an L A movie. Oh yeah.
1: I've never seen Speed,
0: I but me I think I'd
1: like it because it's. Dare I say fast <laughs>
0: <laughs> well i mean I think like i i think i'm I'm really intrigued by the whole uh, the, just the idea of the experience, right watching an l a movie in Quentin Tarantino's theater in l a like i think like, I'm just intrigued on. by it like uh, so I'm gonna go see that. I'll report back okay, yeah, let me know. <laughs> Maybe we'll do you know what? They do double features a lot actually. We should um just we should rip check... them off. Rip yeah, their we, should... Off. we should check out their programming. <laughs> not a oh, bad idea. And okay, I wanted to see what you thought here. Should I go to a midnight showing of Kill Bill Volume 2 at this theater? Do you think that's worth it? Wow, you know, right.
1: I think for me the combination of movie I've seen several, several, several times, probably tens of times, and out past nine p.m. not yeah. a good addition for me. Yeah, but, okay, but
0: the the thing that keeps like that I okay the big pro that keeps rattling around in my brain yeah. is that it's at Quentin Tarantino's theater, right.
1: like. Is he there?
0: He might show up. Why just the second one, girl? I don't know. Does it look like I program?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Does it look like I'm Quentin Tarantino?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm. Maybe they showed the first, Maybe they did the first one already as yeah. a midnight show. Maybe it was like a you know last month or whatever. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I just like. I'm. I'm actually thinking now. What of of all of his movies? Which one I would go out past nine for?
0: It's Glorious Bastards. It's Glorious Bastards. We already talked about yeah. it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, Kill Bill Volume Two. Maybe if we didn't watch it a few months ago, honestly. For Dude, the pod, like a there's an episode
0: ago. that was like okay. a year ago. <laughs>
1: <laughs> a few months. Try a year and a half.
0: <laughs> if I recall. The second one is your preferred, right? Of the two,
1: yeah uh, first one. Oh, mm, mm, first. What about you? You said first.
0: Yeah, everyone.
1: So. Everyone says first.
0: I think I just forgot what the movies were.
1: <laughs> Maybe you need, do you need to go see it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if the first—if I prefer the first one, why would I go see the second one? Nice. I don't know. You know what? It's so up in the air at this point. I'll let you know what I decide.
1: But we know the, you're going to see Speed. This is a certain.
0: Yes, already got the tickets. <laughs> yep. All right. That's at okay. seven thirty. <laughs> I can handle
1: that. <laughs> that adds <ends> up. <laughs> All right. Well, enough about that.
0: Yeah. Okay. um Let's jump into our spicy double feature. What do you want to talk about first? Do you want to talk about? Yeah, you pick. I'm down for whatever.
1: God, I guess. Which one did
0: you watch first?
1: I watched Eyes Wide Shut first.
0: Oh, okay. I watched Call Me By Your Name first.
1: Let's talk about Call Me By Your Name first.
0: Okay. All right. Annie, hit me with some facts.
1: Okay, Call Me By Your Name came out in 2017. It's two hours and ten minutes long. It was directed by Luca guadagnino starring timothy chalamet we need a timothy chalamet alert at this point too no we do yeah um actual cannibal army hammer and michael stuhlbarg from shape of water for those that definitely don't recognize that name um and oh Okay, wow. I was just going to tell everyone the name of that Coen Brothers movie he's in, and it just left the brain. Oh. Left it. Where he's the lead. What's not, it about? Uh, he's, like, Jewish, and he's a family man dealing with family troubles in the 50s. A oh. uh, perfection? No. Wow. Anyway, we're not here to talk about Michael Stuhlbarg. <laughs> We're really not. It has a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. It was Oscar nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor, and Best Adapted Screenplay. Here's a description from IMDb. In 1980s Italy, romance blossoms between a 17-year-old student and the older man hired as his father's research assistant. Dude, me just trying to think of the movie that the third listed actor in this film that has 20 minutes of screen time reminded me of this meme that my friend reposted that was like when someone when you're listening to a podcast and the host can't remember something that's <laughs> yes. like so obvious and you're just screaming it in the car yes anyways apologies to all those people screaming the name of no that but film.
0: but actually write in no i'm oh. gonna
1: google it while you speak is oh okay well solution. i mean
0: if if anybody wants to hear us talk about whoever that is, uh, we do have a Shape of Water episode. You can go back. It's called in the archives.
1: It's called A Serious Man. And when I was going to say that out loud, the, the movie adaptation came to my head for no reason. And it was like blocking, full blockage of A Serious Man. Just the words adaptation. Every time I went to go get the words A Serious Man, adaptation would just come in interception style. Anyway, uh, call yeah. him by your name.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. So first of all, let's back up. Back it up. Again, not on the topic whatsoever. <laughs> you, you called Army Hammer a what? Actual cannibal, Army Hammer. Okay.
1: Are you familiar? What does that mean? He's a cannibal. Are you familiar with
0: people? the allegations? He, no, <laughs> he is accused of eating people. <laughs>
1: what wait why am i the one telling you this
0: <laughs> dude the only thing i know about army hammer is he's a winkle boss bro
1: like i'm gonna say a few months but it could have been a whole year <laughs> ago dude i don't even want to summarize it i thought you just <laughs> do so i didn't like do my research but like there was something like freaky ass shit coming up <laughs> about <laughs> army hammer <laughs> I just can't <laughs> believe you didn't have ever heard this before.
0: Uh, I where, mean. Where
1: uh, his, some of his exes were like, he like, jokingly, but not jokingly would kind of want to like, eat, eat part of them. You know, it's like, what if, ha ha, what if I like ate your pinky? Ha ha Wait, ha, but dot, did dot, he? dot unless. Wait, but did he? No, he ha no, he didn't.
0: Okay, and, they they did a whole movie about this. It's
1: called Fresh. And yeah, no, really, really. And you know, I think like a one woman came forward with that and like someone else was like, "Whoa, that's weird. That was my experience." And then he he got like canceled. So him being in death on the Nile <clears throat> was like kind of strange. Like people were wondering if they were going to reshoot that film because he was in it. Um but they didn't probably cuz they didn't have that kind of money, but He's like through. He's done. He's a
0: cannibal. I, okay, yeah. I knew that, but I thought he was I thought it was a me too thing. I Dude, mean, it was a
1: cannibalism thing.
0: You know, honestly, I can I can give a pass on some cannibalism. I cannot give a pass on a me too thing. <laughs>
1: well, I think that the cannibalism was not consented upon and it was like well, he was also I think like abusive and like uh. um aggressive and just shitty. Like it was a whole it was a whole shitstorm with like the cherry on top of cannibalism.
0: I see. Okay. It probably was
1: also me too.
0: I see. Anyways, actual
1: cannibal army hammer is here recontextualizing yep. this film right before my eyes.
0: Yep. Ha- okay, had you seen this before?
1: Never. Have you? Okay.
0: No, I hadn't <gasps> seen it. First time. Okay, there are very, There's a lot of things I like about this movie. A lot of things. I'm just gonna start. Go jump in. Uh, first of all, I this setting is so stunning. We're in like we're in this like villa, an Italian villa. There's a river and a pool and like um a a a volleyball like place to. <laughs> whatever there's this huge open hallway there's this backyard where they eat breakfast like oh my god it's like it was so stunning and I studied abroad in Italy (laughs) not to brag (laughs) but it just sort of like I don't know it just sort of like took me back it was like very it was extremely captivating and I think they did like a really good job of placing us there it was really really stunning and then I really liked that they were like switching between English and Italian and French. And it was like, um, we were, it was contextualized with like, um, the father being some sort of like language, linguistic scholar. Right. And
1: and if I may, them being just rich as fuck. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. Before we fully move on from the setting, um, Randomly, like a few of the shots would give me Ghibli vibes, like (gasps) just like them riding bikes in the distance with like a bunch of greenery or just like shots of stairs engulfed by greenery, like the grass and shrubs or whatever. Like some of those shots I was getting like Totoro vibes, believe it or not, believe it or not,
0: you know, and it was like very um, warm. Like it was very warm. We got a lot of like golden, just so it was very Unbaked. stunning. Yes, yeah, stu- absolutely stunning. A gorgeous movie to watch. I really liked all the music. I liked that Timothy Chalamet um, was like a, he transcribed music and he like wrote sheet music. I really liked um, all of the pieces that he played on the piano. Um And I, I liked, I appreciated that it was set in the 80s. I think that that, like, gave the setting, like, it, it lended to the setting. I think it did a lot of favors for the setting in that we were given, it was very, like, sort of simplistic. I think that the styling wasn't, like, overthought. Yeah, it was very pretty. It was, like, a nice movie to watch. Um I feel like... A lot of people gave really great performances, too. What did you think about Timothy Chalamet's performance as... I mean, I would say this is, like, early in his career, right? Was this before Lady Bird?
1: This is the same year as Lady Bird. They were both nominated for Best Picture.
0: Wow. Okay,
1: Chalamet. (laughs) And I know he was in things prior, but that was, like, before his big breakout. I feel like this movie made him famous, though. And it put him on the map. I thought it was good. I thought like sometimes he does this thing where he like talks through his teeth and he wasn't doing that here and I liked that. And props for him to have it for him to have to speak three different languages and act in three different languages, like that alone is yeah. pretty tough. I don't think it blew me away by any means, but I just I think I'm just on the fence about my Chalamet. I don't think I see what everyone else sees in terms of his acting or his looks. He has the body of an adolescent and he has the butt of Hank Hill. So
0: I think you're just resistant. I think you're just Chalamet <laughs> resistant. I think you just need to lean into it. Just submit. I I thought he gave a great performance. I really, really appreciated like him. I de- I definitely like have been there. I, I, you know, in terms of like my sexuality and, oh knowing and understanding, like, who I'm attracted to. Like, I I saw a lot of myself in, like, this 17-year-old. And I Mm -hmm. thought he gave a really great performance. You know, he was confused and was looking for reassurance and um, seeking answers. But he was also, like, very honest with all of the people around him. You know, he was honest with his family. Remember when somebody came out for breakfast and he said... I think he said to his dad, yeah. "Me and Marcia almost had sex last night."
1: And Army Hammer is also there.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, right.
1: I will say like of all my issues with this movie, the performances are not any of them. Like I yeah. thought they all did fine.
0: So as much as I liked Timothy Chalamet's performance, however, I feel like Army Hammer's performance was kind of dry. I was not getting the same. He kind of it was an asshole. Yeah. He was... Well,
1: I mean... And think about the context I'm watching this whole thing in, too. I was, like, creeped out by him. He was yeah. a jerk. Yeah. He, I don't know. I just, like... I felt like he was manipulative and, like... Yes. Everything in Chalamet's life was just, like, up to the whims of, like, what he wanted in the moment. Yeah and which is very a valid story to tell but um i don't know what we're supposed to feel about army hammer coming out of it like what is the movie where's the movie landing in terms of his character i think it's neutral i think it's just like here's a dude
0: yeah i i sort of felt that way like the whole movie because we didn't even really get like we didn't really get anything of him you know we didn't learn like his background we didn't I didn't even get I didn't even catch like what program he was in or like why the fuck he was there just that he was some sort of understudy right
1: yeah and even then I was like questioning myself whether that was even right because of how like little he actually had to do with the dad and every 30 minutes or so the the dad would be like a Oh, we've got some work to do, bud. And I'm like, "Oh, okay, so they are doing something apparently. He is here oh, for a yeah. reason." I thought that he was going to come like teach Timothy Chalamet how to speak Italian or something like that when the movie started, which I'm glad he w- it wasn't a teacher role, teacher student role because their age and Army Hammer is like kind of manipulative or not even manipulative, I don't know, just his character, something about it was a little off-putting
0: i think what it was was that that (laughs) yes (laughs) i think that he saw timothy chalamet's character as this confused and vulnerable person and he took advantage of that
1: yeah like for me i guess the vibes i was getting was like that like he recognized that this is Timothy Chalamet's first rodeo in terms of like figuring out his sexuality. And honestly, maybe with sex in general, because I got the vibes that like when Timothy Chalamet had sex with his like lady, that that was, I think his first time. Did you get
0: that vibe? Yeah. I think I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah.
1: So, and that was like, you know, a weekend before they kiss and maybe even like have sex. So, I thought that Army Hammer saw through all of that and was like, but I don't know—is that why he was so resist- resistant at first? This is my problem. One of my problems with the movie—I'll start now—is mm-hmm. that the dialogue is so vague. And when it's not vague, they're talking about shit I could care less about. For instance, there is an entire scene dedicated to the dad and Army Hammer literally debating on who's smarter than the other by debating the origins of the word apricot i was like hate it hate it hate it then there's like an argument not argument but debate between timothy chalamet and Army hammer about like how different musicians would play this one piano piece by young bach mm-hmm. and scenes like that just came off so pretentious to me and i was like can we please get some character instead of to me the director or the writer of the book because i guess it's based off the book just showing off their knowledge just flexing on us with their historical knowledge
0: yeah i mean i will say um this it the the movie itself is pretty boring i for coming in at Two hours and what? Ten minutes? Two hours, ten minutes. Like, I... I, Okay, and, you know, we chose this movie, or this movie was sort of... It came up because we're expecting this whirlwind romance, right? We're expecting, like, fucking... (laughs) And it just simply, like, it was very slow to get to... Even like the romance part, you know, it was probably like close to the third act before Army Hammer and Timothy Chalamet like think, finally get together.
1: I think it was like part two. It was like in the second act. And what was so weird about it to me, like just the structure of it, like you're saying, is that like, I mean, this movie has absolutely no conflict for being so long but it sort of introduces the conflict what i'm attaching myself to in terms of the conflict is at the beginning is timothy chalamet has feelings for this man is a little confused about them but is most of all afraid to confront them like his feelings in terms of like saying something to army hammer or making a move and he's like so He's like looks down on him so hard himself so hard for being like a coward. I think he even says that at some point. So I'm like, okay, that's the conflict. He has never made a move on a man, and he's afraid to and he wants to. I'm like, okay, let's go, let's get it. And then, for seemingly no apparent reason, he just like overcomes that midway through the movie, and then the second half of the movie is like the weird. I don't know are we fucking or aren't we moment I guess
0: well I think in so I think what you're describing I want to say as a queer story I think that's totally reasonable I think it's really reasonable to to be uncertain and confused and feel bad about yourself they even make a comment um we're introduced to a gay couple and um timothy is like making fun of them or something like that and the mom says why why do you talk about them like that is it because they're gay yeah the dad says it oh yeah the dad says it and and so he's sort of yeah he's confronted with this like maybe internalized homosexuality yeah
1: but i'm not saying no i'm not saying like that it's not reasonable that he's confused and then gets over that i'm just saying you know me i want my movies to have Mm-hmm. you want objective. it
0: to be yeah you want it to be harder this movie and, is very soft <laughs>
1: and to have like story beats and like preferably that are shown and not said because everything in this movie is just like said out loud or just completely silent and there's like not much i don't know there wasn't much visual storytelling you said it perfectly though like i want some umph, and this is a soft film mm-hmm. and that's yeah. very valid for people cause, like i don't want to take People love this movie, and I don't want to take that away from anybody. But I'm just Mm -hmm. a basic-ass bitch that likes, you know, a a plan and an action.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think, uh, so to, sort of to, I want to go back to what you said about he kind of got over it, is maybe, like, the impression that you got. And
1: followed by, then it's, like, about the army hammer pulling back. Like, then it turns into that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's like it's definitely like gets into a little cat and mouse there, yes, right. Um, but I think that the reason that Timothy Chalamet is able to sort of move forward with relations with Army Hammer is because he is like, excuse me, they're. Elio and Oliver. Yeah. Elio and Oliver. So Timothy Chalamet plays Elio, and mm. I think that Elio is able to get over this sort of internal struggle because he has sex with Marcia. because he gets validated in his sexuality, because he's like, oh, I am a sexual being, and mm. I can have, I can have sex. I like this feels mm. good. This feels normal. This feels right. This does, in, in, like, sort of. Acting on his sexual impulses, it, like, it then motivates him or or validates himself to think, like, oh, okay, I I can do this with a man, too. If I can do this, I can do this. Like, let's go. Is the vibe that I I got.
1: I never saw, I never got connections that strong. Like, I never got, like, this moment leads to this moment leads to this moment, which is what I wanted but I I can I, mean, I can see that too. But I just for me I didn't get that vibe. The the scene where Timothy Chalamet confronts Army Hammer though, and they have this very vague conversation. They're like they ride into town and they they look at a statue. Another pretentious moment in my eyes of like Timothy Timothy Chalamet knowing the entire history of this Italian town, and then. They have a very vague conversation where Timothy Chalamet says that, "Hey, I think I'm like attracted to you." Never as clearly he never says it as clearly as that. And then like camera pans like up to the statue. I did why I don't know why that happened. That whole scene was such a bummer for me, in terms of the filming of it all because mm. it it felt like it should be like yes, like he's doing it right like he's overcoming his fear and he's saying what he wants to say but the whole scene takes place behind Timothy Chalamet's head and army hammer is like 20 feet away as they walk around the statue and then meet around the bend i don't know i i know the setting was pretty but i didn't like how a lot of the stuff was shot specifically that scene mm. like just the blocking of it all i was like this should be a big moment and the dialogue's super vague. So you need to tell what they're saying, the subtext of what they're saying in like how we're shooting it. And it was like, I didn't even get to see Timothy's face, that whole scene, which is wild to me. Do you remember that one?
0: No, I don't <laughs> that little ditty? that. No. That should be but like a
1: pivotal or a pivotal scene.
0: I think that them not saying the quiet part out loud, I think that, you know, that tracks for see, like-
1: I agree with that like that makes that all adds up but i'm saying that like it should be shot differently then
0: Mm, mm, mm. yeah you're saying like um instead of like the story itself being overt that we should dialogue yeah we should be shown we should be shown more
1: yeah, it was just a weird choice and I felt like a choice they made on the day cuz they found the statue or something. <laughs> but Okay, can you explain this to me? Go Give on. an answer for this. Okay, they after they have sex, I think they like just hang out and they go maybe swimming or something. And all of a sudden, like all of a sudden, army hammer turns to Timothy Chalamet and says, "Are you going to hold what happened last night against me?" What does that mean?
0: Um, I read the whole their whole postcoital tension and I would say even that line and then like whenever they get back from swimming, like Timothy Chalamet is like very distant. I would chalk all of that up to shame. I think that both of them were feeling shame. But don't they,
1: when do they, at one point Timothy follows him into town and he's like, hey, (laughs) I don't know what he says, but Army Hammer says like, I'm so glad we did that.
0: Yeah, I think that's the resolution. Of, is that after? Of, Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's the resolution of this of like the tension. I think because Tim, Elio Timothy Chalamet's character Elio is like he's he wants to be together. He wants to spend time together. He he wants to express his feelings, and so meeting him in town, I think, gives. Oliver, Army Hammer's character, it gives Oliver a leg to stand on to say, oh, okay, I'm validated in my feelings because he mm. feels the same way. Yeah. I guess, like,
1: it, it was hard for me to pick up on shame because of how, like, supportive his parents were, which I really liked that, like, they were just, like, so on board from the start. From before even Timothy kind of, like, knew. Even his mom was, like, Hey, I think you got a real good one there. You know what I mean? So I was like, what a supportive family. But I it's also the 80s and like we're never we're never zoom out to the real world except when they're at the train station and like they you know, they want to say a thousand things and do a thousand things, but they're they can't. and They just have to say goodbye, which also I love that this Love story has a typical goodbye at a train station.
0: Yeah. That was sweet. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, we we live in a society. We live in a society. Um, I want to... Okay, so after uh, Oliver leaves and Elio is sort of faced back with his life and reality and, like, the ending, um, his dad gives him some words of advice. And I wrote it down. I want to read this to you because this is, like... Sincerely, the most beautiful thing I think anyone could ever say of a breakup. (laughs) Okay, he says, We rip out so much of ourselves to be cured of things faster that we go bankrupt by the age of 30 and have less to offer each other each time we start with someone new. But to make yourself feel nothing so as to not feel anything. What a waste.
1: That scene um, was hyped to me several times by several different people, and it did not disappoint.
0: It's, you know, it's, it's, it's less about, I think to me it's less about his, the, the dad validating his son's maybe homosexual or bisexuality And more about, like, let me coach my son through a heartbreak. Like, this is, I can see that he's in pain. And so let me offer some really beautiful words of advice. And it was just like, I I reflected on it. I was like, holy shit. (laughs) Like, I just went through a breakup. I have to, and you know, like, I don't want to rush through my feelings so to feel nothing. Right. Got to process
1: yeah, Dude, it's beautiful. M- moments like that make me so afraid to ever be a parent. And like, how do you just come up with this good stuff? The right thing to say at the right time. Same thing with Friday night lights, if I may. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, but we're really close to this part of the movie. After he has his talk with his dad and he's feeling the emotions. Bro, the movie does a scene with an inverted filter on it. What? Yeah. I, oh my God. It like, it truly lost me. They like, you know, the the effect inversion? Uh Uh-huh. Like, you know, back in the day when we'd go to the Apple store and play on, with their webcams.
0: Wait, I don't (laughs) remember this. (laughs) You remember when me and you do that? No, (laughs) no, no. I just, I don't remember the scene. I don't know what you're talking about. There's like flash Frames
1: of timothy chalamet feeling sad and then like we see not flash frames we see like scenes that we've seen in the movie already but they've been the color has been inverted so they're like people have like white eyes and orange faces
0: okay i hate that dude it
1: was really bad
0: you know what was really pretty <laughs> the flash forward when it's suddenly winter and we get a few shots uh very quiet shots of it snowing outside yeah so as to like set the scene god i love i i this movie is so pretty dude (laughs) it made me really want to go to italy we should go
1: let's do it
0: um I want to
1: read a review as my closing thoughts that somebody wrote on Letterboxd. If I'm may, i ready, I'm ready. Hit me. This is written by Lucy. You may recognize her as the girl with this profile picture.
0: Oh yeah. I love Lucy. Yes.
1: Mm -hmm. She has her listener. She has her glasses pulled down halfway. She's smiling. I don't know that that is even her or some famous image. Um, She's pretty popular on Letterboxd and on Twitter. Here's her review. I'm just saying this because it says all I need, all I feel basically. It just doesn't click, a gorgeous facade masking the vagueness of the dialogue and intentions and feelings of the characters, dripping with scenic appeal, but I'm only slightly charmed by it. What tries to be one of the most sincere movies in years only feels hollow to me, even when I try to let it in. Oliver and Elio are different ages, but it's the maturity level that bothers me here. A man going out by himself until dawn, the other only a boy sitting with his parents, being read a fairy tale while it rains outside he puffs out his chest and acts older than his age and that's what it is an act he can be intelligent and wise and ready for love but is he mature enough for a a relationship like this it's that imbalance that has me trying to break down the walls of this thing and see it more clearly the way they talk and interact rings empty to me only getting glimpses of true tenderness split seconds of actual romance oliver comes off the emptiest of all. I counted on one hand the times I could see his true nature and half of those. I didn't like what I saw. Maybe he loved Elio, but I can't quite see it. And what I'm left with is a chilly ending reflecting in flames by the best bit of acting this movie has to offer. But all that said, I'm aware of the fact that people love it. So love it, relate to it and be enchanted by it. And I'm trying to let it be what it is because The above is my only opinion, and we all have such drastically different opinions. In the end, all we can do is scribble our thoughts down and move on. Discussion is maybe the most important aspect of a movie like this, or a time like this, to be open to discuss a movie and its good sides and its bad sides, even if you hold it dear to your heart or despise it. This is a glorious sun-drenched daydream for some, but not for me, and that's okay.
0: Yeah. Wow. So that's how I feel.
1: <laughs> Lucy uh, said it said it better than I ever could. Um shout out Sufjan Stevens.
0: That was really great. Yeah. We should have her on the show. Hey
1: um, Lucy. Yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> Dude, she could be catfishing us. She could be Robert <laughs> Ebert from the dead. So uh, I'm ready yeah. to score it if you are. Okay, hit me. I'm going to give it a 5 out of 10.
0: Dang, okay. I don't think I'm ever going to watch this again. It's a 7.
1: So Movie Maven's score for Call Me By Your Name is a 6 out of 10. We're probably... I mean, you you liked it more than me, but like... This, us calling this a 6 does not mean it's not a 10, folks.
0: That's all I'll say. Yeah. I I I think it I think it resonates differently with different people, and I think that's okay. Yeah. It's not like an objectively bad movie.
1: No 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 no. I, I like I said I just like.
0: You like what you like. I like. I like what I like. Okay, so I can't wait to hear what you have to say about Eyes Wide Shut because. <gasps> Where is the point of that movie? Where did it go? Um, Okay, (laughs) Eyes Wide Shut. Let's get into it. Yeah, Annie, hit me with some facts.
1: This movie came out in 1999. It is two hours and 45 minutes long. It's directed by Stanley Kubrick, starring Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. It has a 75% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is streaming on Hulu. Here is a description from IMDb. A Manhattan doctor embarks on a bizarre night-long odyssey after his wife's admission of unfulfilled longing folks let me walk you through that odyssey real fast i bet a lot of people haven't seen this film and it can be summarized very quickly okay tom cruise and nicole kidman go to this party together They both have an opening or an option to cheat on one another but they don't either by choice or it's interrupted later nicole kidman gets high this is at home and she reveals this crazy fantasy that she had with this dude that she saw once when they were on like a family vacation a sexual fantasy she tells that to tom cruise tom cruise gets very upset about it and sort of goes on this night-long tirade searching for sex uh first with a sex worker None of it pans out. He never actually has sex with anyone. Then with, like, the sex worker's roommate. Then a sex cult he discovers, which is wild. Um, then he comes home and confesses all of that to Nicole Kidman. And she's like, bro, what the fuck? I told you about, like, a dream. But she also tells... Or, excuse me, a fantasy. Then she tells him about this crazy dream in which she, like, fucks, like, every man that she can see. And that really upsets Tom Cruise. I forget what happens. The Odyssey continues where he searches for sex. He nev- he searches for sex, but he never has any. Then they're like, what should we do with our marriage? And she's like, I don't know. But I don't know what to do with failed actions and thoughts she's referring to like tom cruise trying to do something not doing something and her just dreaming about something but not ever trying to do anything and then she's like but i know what i'm certain of i know what we should do asap and he's like what's that and she says fuck and then the movie ends so cringe.
0: cringe
1: i liked that line dude in a funny way at this point the movie was something else to me um okay that's the whole movie summarized sorry if i did that poorly
0: no, um, I think you did a great job. So you had not seen this before, correct? mm Okay. Um, I've seen it a couple of times. I went through, like, a really extensive Kubrick phase several years ago. And so I watched all of his movies, like, chronologically. Obviously, this was the last one. All, all of them? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Damn. I- There's and- so many of his I haven't seen
0: so so then, like, this is his last movie, and it's no... Notor- okay, so I just... Before we even talk about the movie itself, I just want to talk about Stanley Kubrick and the production of this movie.
1: Dude, I I was doing some reading.
0: So I, kind of, I, I went back and listened to um, the episode... Because uh, I watched this whenever we did the Shining episode. Because mm-hmm. I really wanted to compare... His style from nineteen eighty to nineteen ninety nine, when he was seventy years old, I just I was interested in in what that looked like, and so yeah, I also knew like some crazy things about the production of this movie. So Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman were married in real life um, mm-hmm. while they were making this. This movie holds the Guinness World Record for the most consecutive weeks filming. It filmed for eighteen months. And consecutively, they, they shot this movie for 46 weeks. There are reports of, um, at one point, Stanley Kubrick made Tom Cruise walk through a door, walk through a door, open the door and walk through it 95 times. There's also reports of Stanley Kubrick um, is sort of, Like keeping them apart, Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise, keeping them apart as to build the tension between the fake marriage so that he he built real tension in their real marriage. And he actually made Nicole Kidman... So remember the the sort of like flash... Tom Cruise's
1: imagination of Nicole Kidman's imagination of the sex scene.
0: Yeah, Yeah. so she is totally nude, which I really want to talk about the nudity here in a minute she's totally nude in this scene and Stanley Kubrick had her shoot fully nude for six days in a row. Mm -hmm. This scene that we don't even get the full scene. Three times for maybe
1: 10 seconds each
0: time. Six, Six days in a row. And she could not reconvene with Tom Cruise. They were kept apart for those six days.
1: Can I tell you how long the Fanny Pack fight scene took to shoot in everything everywhere all at once?
0: I'm dying to know, please tell me.
1: If it was a normal production, it would have taken five days to shoot. If it but it wasn't, and they did it in one day.
0: Oh my god. So
1: for Stanley Kubrick to drag that out six days, that's some sort of sick fuckery
0: going on there. So here's what I'm here's what I'm getting at. This is, this is why I brought this up. Here's what I'm getting at. The man is 70 years old. He's been making movies at this point for 40 years. I want to OK, and then it, it's, a, it's a New York movie, and they shot it in London. Why the fuck they did this backwards?
1: I read that they did that because he found a way to like stretch the budget by like a ton. So it was just so much cheaper, so he could shoot for longer. But then he would, like, send someone to New York and, like, measure the distance between newspaper stand to newspaper stand so they could recreate it in London.
0: Dude, it was just, like, it, it's fully... And you can see it in the movie. You can see the way that the story is told. You can see, like, how it's shot. You can hear it in in the, the sound. It's very... The, it gives the most neurotic vibes. (laughs) This movie is fucking neurotic from start to finish. It just, it is, it's just totally out of touch. It is fully, it is not of this world. It's
1: really weird to see, um, not only everything you just said, but like, even just the fact that it's a modern 1999 film by Stanley Kubrick is so strange. Like on top of all the like neuroticism, Like, seeing Tom Cruise pull out a cell phone, I'm like, what?
0: Yeah, but, I mean, even if we're getting all these modern things, like, it still feels so dated.
1: (laughs) Well, it's funny to even imagine Stanley Kubrick being 70 years old. Oldest film, right before he died, actually. And be like, "Mm, let's tackle sex cult. And... But by the time we got to the sex cult, I was excited. I was like, "Oh shit! Like this is gonna be this is where it's gonna get like Kubrickian, Kubrickian. Mm -hmm. Like this is where it's gonna pick up and get weird and unexpected." I had no idea where it was gonna go, Mm -hmm. and I gotta say, it just fizzled out. Like I am, I am expecting some Clockwork Orange shit, some two thousand one shit, movies that I really like. And this movie Mm -hmm. just fizzled out like a little fart. Like it was just nothing.
0: It, 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 the movie is less about what is the, what I would say the grandest part of, of the film, which is this sex cult. I mean, it's very grand, right? We get this, like, whole ceremony. I'm I'm all in. Me right? too. Like, I want to sh- know everything. I want to know everything. I want... Expose the senators. Tell me who's in the cult. I want to see this. Yes. Go off. Like, give this to me.
1: And, like, and- I was excited that Tom Cruise was digging and looking for answers when he was told not to.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. I wanted, like, some juice. I wanted this to be <laughs> a different movie. What it is, is... This this jealous husband who is just totally naive. He is extremely naive to his wife's sexuality, her sexual fantasies, what her needs are in the marriage. He's completely naive to that. He's a bumbling fucking idiot, as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> in terms of their marriage. He is totally naive of, like, any woman's wants or needs. Like, he makes this comment to Nicole Kidman about his patient... Like, he's a doctor. About his patients. And, and he was like, women just don't think that way. That line just felt so dated to me. It's like, women, oh. are, women are sexual. What are you fucking talking about? Dude,
1: you saying all that, like, somehow makes the casting perfect. Because there's always this element of Tom Cruise. Like, no matter how cool or smart he seems, he's always actually, like, an idiot at the same time.
0: I I thought that... The coolest part was obviously it's the sex cult, right? But even then, I was like, especially this time around, you know, we're watching it like with the, with the, with this sort of like sexual viewfinder, like we're looking at this element of it. And in, in the way that Call Me By Your Name dealt with sex very delicately, I thought, and, um, kind of gave it 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 like unraveled i was really disgusted by all of the nudity in this movie only because these are like that's not what real women look like like that's those are movie stars like the slenderness of it all yeah yeah and like giant tits like they're all, they all look like supermodels. You know, I mean, even Nicole yeah. Kidman, she's gorgeous. I love seeing her tits a hundred times. But like, I wanted to see, like, Bro, I want real yeah. women.
1: It's the '90s, and like, we were, they were wearing low rider jeans to expose their flat tummies. Flat tummies are have gone. I don't know where they went. They've left.
0: Uh-uh.
1: They're impossible. So who has a flat tummy? I don't know. They're right. gone. So anyway, um. Do you feel grossed out by like Clockwork Orange? Uh
0: no. Yeah. No, and I think because that is that movie's about so that you know, that movie is like about like um it's about bad people. Yeah. Well, yeah, and like rehabilitation and um I th- that's a different movie. No, obviously, like, the one scene in that movie, like, sucks, and I don't enjoy watching that. But, like, just all of the nudity. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, like, I love seeing titties. Like, that's not it. It's just, like, it just felt very dated. It felt so dated. And and then we don't even explore, like, we get all these naked women, and then for what? Like, he doesn't fuck anybody,
1: Dude, what was with... Okay, so he's, like, trying to fuck people, but he never, like, gets to. Or he doesn't try hard enough. I don't know. But there, at one point along his odyssey, um, he goes to check on this guy that just died, and his daughter, the guy's daughter that just died, wants to fuck Tom Cruise really bad. What was Whoa. the point of that whole scene?
0: Okay, similarly, whenever he went to go get his cape and mask the daughter of that guy, like, came up behind him and was, like, hugging him in her underwear, like, hiding behind him, but then she gave him, like, this coy smile. And it's like, are we supposed to believe that these random women are just throwing themselves at him and he's just, like, what? Not fucking these people? I don't... As... And I, I sort of read it as, like, maybe he like the point that the movie is trying to make is that Tom Cruise is more faithful in their marriage because he isn't acting on these impulses. And, but we're supposed to like Nicole Kidman is supposed to be painted as a person who would, if given the chance.
1: I don't know. I was trying to think about that, like exactly what you're saying, but like, okay. One note on that, the Cape costume, dude's daughter later. They like, we come back to that their shop and like the dad is like telling him that he can have sex with her basically i don't know what the hell is going on there anyway i was thinking about that okay so tom Cruise has like all these opportunities to sleep i don't think it's saying what you're saying where she's painted as someone that didn't that could have fucked someone or excuse me nicole kidman is painted as someone that would cheat on her husband if given the opportunity because of her fantasies tom Cruise was given 10 different ways, options, and never took the bait. I don't think it's saying that because of Nicole Kidman's final line. She says like, dude, you tried to go, you like went on a hunt, even though you didn't get any, you still acted on something. Whereas I just had passing thoughts and told you about them. And she's like, I thought she was saying like, you are more messed up than I am, but that's okay. Like, water under the bridge, baby. That's how I interpreted it. But I could be way off.
0: I think they're just... Just extremely naive. I think, like... (laughs) Is that the movie or Tom
1: Cruise? Like, I have a hard time dividing the two.
0: Dude, like, their marriage is very shallow. Like, they, they... You know, like... Even in the opening scene she asks him, "Do I look okay? How does my hair look?" and he doesn't look at her. Yeah. And he goes, "You look fine." Or you look great or something. Their their marriage is just very shallow. It's very it seems like very transactional. Yeah. Um unfortunately this is not Kubrick's best movie and I would say like unfortunately I wouldn't even I don't think this is a great movie. Another issue, and I really want to bring this up. The only people of color, and, you know, I took issue with this movie, with with this in Call Me By Your Name. I gave it a pass, though, because it's set in Italy, and so we're just giving a bunch of Italian people... But this is supposed to be in New York, one of the most diverse, <laughs> diverse cities in the world, right? Yeah. The only people of color we're given are these two Asian men who are sort of caught in a bad situation with a teenage girl.
1: Yeah. That Later, they're all buddies, though. I but just... still, I mean, not saying that's right. I'm just saying then they come back later and they're all fun. But that's fucked up. It's fucked up. This is the same year that The Matrix came out, so there's no excuses.
0: There truly is no excuses. Yeah, it just it's dated. Uh, it's I hate to say it. It Yeah, it, it is. Even not only is it 1999 dated, it also like it doesn't I mean like you said, The Matrix came out, so it doesn't even feel current for 1999, you know? Right. Like get with the fucking get picture. Your shit together. I, think, I think that men of a certain age should not
1: should not be president.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But also, like, you know, what was the budget on this movie? Like, obviously, it had to be fucking huge. Oh, healthy. I read it,
1: but I didn't write it down. Yeah, the the mystery and the intrigue that this film promises, high. I am fucking ready for some yep. crazy shit. Yep. Delivery, very low. Call it's me by your name. Enough. I knew it to keep... That shit low. It was a chill time. There was no intrigue. We're just yep. vibing. This mm-hmm. movie was like trying to titillate you and then give you nothing. I felt like Tom Cruise walking around town all <laughs> night after watching that and not getting any. That's how this Dude. film treated me.
0: And then the singular <laughs> piano note. Ding. Oh my God. Ding. Ding. Like,
1: Gus and I were joking that Kanye's... Uh, <laughs> Run away. I was going
0: to start playing. <laughs> uh, just really, just really, just really unfortunate. Really unfortunate.
1: I'm glad I saw it because this is sort of like, you know, it's something that film people should see. I wouldn't recommend this movie to anyone unless you like, you know, are a film scholar, you know, trying to see everything.
0: Well, I Pass. think it's, um so like the the reason I watched it for the the Shining episode was because yeah like I said I wanted to see the difference between 1980 and 1999 style and I think I think there's something to note there. I mean even if you do like clockwork orange in this movie, I think Clockwork Orange came out in 68. Like there's just it's a huge it's a huge difference in in style, awareness even. And I it's... think effort,
1: like how effort. hard he's trying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so true of so many directors, I think. Yeah. The older they get, the, the less they try, the worse for wear.
0: You know, and it, even I think about like why it took so long. Maybe like he was waiting for the inspiration to come and then it never did. <sighs>
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he, he was, like, apparently, like, he never knew what the intentions of, like, the actors should be in the moment. Like, he didn't have a direction for them. He would just want them to find it, which is why it took so long. I'm like, okay, so you have no vision is what I'm hearing.
0: Yeah, so no vision plus millions and millions of dollars plus seemingly unlimited time.
1: It's not a good formula for a good movie.
0: Mm mm. No.
1: Okay, let's rate it.
0: Yeah. Okay, um, you know, not a great movie. Will I continue to watch it? I think probably, yeah.
1: There's something to it, because it's like titillating. And I'm not well, even talking about the sex stuff. I just mean the Kubrick <laughs> shit that he always does. I don't even. Yeah. There's something to it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I think. I would recommend every Kubrick movie. Um, I think I'm going to give it a six.
1: I'm going to give it a five as well. Mm. So the movie made score for Eyes Wide Shut is a five and a half out of ten. I want to say one more thing about Call Me By Your Name that I forgot okay. to, but maybe I kind of wanted to leave it till the end because it's a little silly. But... Before you and I decided to record tonight, I hadn't watched the movie and I wasn't planning on watching the movie on Sunday night. I was going to save it for whenever. Anyways, I go grocery shopping. I get some ice cream for the night. Mm -hmm. Then we decide, okay, we're recording tonight. Oh shit. Okay. I need to watch the movie. I go to watch it. Let me get some of my ice cream. What's the ice cream flavor? It's (gasps) peaches and cream.
0: Oh, my God.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Tillamook brand.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, you know. Okay, so you made it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Movie Maven's. I, you know, it was a good episode, okay? I couldn't throw it in the bin, although I did consider it. <laughs> um, come back next week. We're watching The Northman and The Witch with a very special guest. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Movie Mavens. Follow us on Twitter at Movie Pod. Send us an email at Movie Podcast at gmail.com. And that's it, folks. Movie Mavens out.